Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. I'm sure by now you've all heard that the stock market has gone absolutely crazy. And a lot of people have made a lot of money and a lot of people have lost a lot of money. But unfortunately, one of the byproducts was interest rates started to creep up. You see, typically we see the Dow Jones work directly inversely with the 10-year bond. So if the stocks are having a great day, well, it might mean that the 10-year bond is not. And when that happens, it means interest rates start to creep up. So we did get a few worsened notices over the last week, and that should serve as a reminder to you if you've been on the fence about refinancing. Now is the time. We've identified the floor. Rates aren't going to get any lower than they are right now. There's only one place for them to go, and that's up. Hurry, before it's too late, to SaveWithConrad.com. Now, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, but if you're in a 30-year loan, you're going to be able to pay your house off in half the time with roughly the same monthly payment. Just check out Mario from California. He says everything that Conrad says on his podcast about First Family Mortgage is true. The whole process was simple and easy. Jimmy was easy to work with. Not only was he able to knock 10 years off of my loan, my interest rate went from 4.25 to 2.62. Thank you to Conrad and his team. You made this veteran very happy. I'll definitely be recommending First Family Mortgage to my friends and family. What are you waiting for? We've got five-star reviews one after another from families just like yours who either A, needed to knock out some credit card debt and lower their monthly payment by five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month, or folks who were in a 30-year loan and didn't think they could afford a 15-year loan. But now they're paying their house off in half the time, and they're doing it with roughly the same monthly payment. These rates won't last forever. And I want to make sure your debt doesn't last forever. Get a quick quote right now. We're licensed in more than 40 states. It truly is fast and easy at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? If you haven't already made your February payment, you won't have to make your February or your March payment. You're done until April. Find out how easy it is right now for free with a quick quote at savewithconrad.com. Steven's brand new deep navy blue and sparkling 24 karat gold dip twinkle twinkle roses here. But time is already running out because the brand new color sells out each year. Don't miss out. Imagine on Valentine's Day when she opens this really cool gift box and outslides a blue rose trimmed in gold. You know, blue, the color of the sky just before the sun sets, and you can start to see all the stars sparkling in the night sky. It's breathtaking. Go now to see this real 24 karat gold rose deeply dipped in real pure 24 karat gold with petals in this unique and dazzling blue color that mimics the stars in the sky. 
exclusively available at Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's Day gift that lasts forever. It comes with your own free personal love note and ships fast and free to the real love of your life, your wife, your daughter, your sweetheart, and say, I'm lucky to have you in my life. Check out the entire collection of Stephen's famous roses. Roses start at only $59. Go right now to IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to Something to Wrestle With. Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. Q Bruce. Ah, Why are you so late? Dude, half a ring. Well, I've been sitting here waiting for days for you to call. I haven't left. I haven't slept. I haven't showered. What the fuck are we talking about today? Well, it doesn't look like you slept or showered, but come on now. Let's, <laughs> let's tell the truth. We were supposed to tape on Tuesday night. I will do two on Tuesday. Ah, man, bad news. We're gonna have to do it tomorrow, but we'll do two tomorrow. Okay. We'll do one tomorrow. I mean, I don't know. What are we doing, Bruce? Okay. Well, I I feel like, yes, I know. And you said all those things to me. Oh, really? What are we doing today? What in the fuck are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to do a career retrospective on Lars Sullivan. No, we're doing Royal rumble 1991. Did anything happen around night? I don't fucking, was I alive? Yes. And you were there, but barely, you're only there a few more months. And, uh, this is when, uh, Sarge beat the warrior for the world title. You guys doubled down on the Gulf war shit. Okay. Well, first of all, just to be very fucking clear, there was no goddamn Gulf war yet at that point in time. So I, if you're going to be quoting the goddamn fucking fuck, fuck facts. Hey, wait, hang on now. Let's run through that. Throw it in your Google machine. It says that the Gulf war started on August 2nd, 1990. Okay. 
No, goddammit, you know, why don't you throw in your fucking Google machine back into my goddamn head when that night was the night that we fucking attacked. All right. Well, again, let's, let's mention the initial conflict to expel yeah, Iraqi conflict, troops. From- conflict, 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 not war. Okay. Not war, conflict. Okay. okay. I guess Dave Meltzer sat in goddamn George Bush fucking cabinet. Let me mention operation desert storm started on January 17th, 1991. This show is two days later. So we'd been at war. No, no. For two not. days. No. Why don't you look at the first fucking goddamn. Why are you uh, mad at me? Over the bow. What, what date was that? Uh, August 2nd, 1990. No, is no. No. Oh, when did the invasion first start? Yeah. Uh, two days before January 17th. No, no. there was a ground assault on, uh, February 24th. God damn it. Y- y- y'all, none of y'all understand. You don't understand. No. Yeah. It's really confusing how calendars work. And I know, especially for you, since you keep saying tomorrow, I mean, as you and I, are as you and I are talking right now. I almost said recording, but I don't want to tell you that I'm recording, but any conversation we have from now on, I record just so I, hopefully I could chop it up. <laughs> hey man, what'd you eat last night? A chili and cheese I'm burrito. You can't, and you can't do that legally. Oh, I can in Alabama. I, as long as I know consent. I'm recording, I can do I got it. A fucking consent. Hey buddy, listen, we're going to talk about you eating corn dogs and chili dogs at the office. And I'm going to shoehorn in, you know, what goes great with chili dogs, blue chew. And so it's still. <laughs> Anyway, my point is, as we're talking right now, of course it's Connie. Yes. Hey, Connie, chat me up. Oh, listen to this. What up, Ed Kosky? I know where that comes from. Yeah. Just chat me up. Is that the deal? Y'all just all sit around and, and, and make fun of me now. When, when you're that's, all on- I do. that's all I do my whole life. I just fuck it. Cause I have so much goddamn spare motherfucking time. Well, <sighs> speaking of all you do. Let's just get you fired up now. I guess you saw a couple of weeks ago. Oh no. As you and I are recording this, uh, on January 22nd, <laughs> um, Meltzer had sent something out saying that you guys had done a really poor job planning the rumble, uh, and promoting the rumble. And he just wished that you guys had his work ethic and you were, you called me screaming. I want you, you know, because everybody knows that you and Vince have a reputation for being lazy vacationers. You know, everybody hears all about those famous Vince McMahon month long cruises and Uh, all those pictures of him on the yacht, you know, all that stuff. I know all that stuff. Yeah. You know, the deal. Oh yeah. Y'all were just yeah. in Turks and Caicos, right? You know, so so basically what he's saying is that our work ethic should just be to sit back and just uh, work off of fucking hearsay, rumor, innuendo, and made-up facts. Well, I did see that Yokozuna documentary, and you were still waving that banner about it with being added value to put the belt on Hogan after I screamed and hollered at you. Yeah, the whole they did, at least they did their due diligence and saw that was actually a fact. I mean, but now you're struggling with how calendars work. I mean, the war started on January 17th and you're acting like it didn't. You don't know that you weren't even born yet. 
I wasn't born January 17th, 1991. Yes, I was. No, you weren't. I love that you say that and grin. Can we start the show? You're lying. Can we just start That's the your show? You're lying because you got the work ethic of Dave Melcher. You're a fucking <sighs> lazy fuck that goddamn doesn't do nothing but lie. Oh, well, I was going to say that's a great compliment because everybody knows Dave Meltzer works 24 seven legitimately. And I do too. Oh yeah. oh yeah. He's just fucking awesome, man. He's so fucking great. And he, you know, what I really love is he, he, he just is able to fucking check all of his, wait a minute. I was going to say he checks all his facts, but I don't think he's ever printed one. Oh man. You just, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I can tell from looking at your hair. What's wrong with my hair? Well, I mean. I oh, you all see something really fucked up. You should see the back of my head. It's well, I'm really going to tell you what I'm looking at right now. looks like a toilet brush. That part looks good. No. I mean, if you like. Look at the, look at, look at the back. Look at the back. No, that's actually better. No, it's not. It's fucking goddamn too short. By the way, did you know that your brother looks more and more like you every day? Lucky bastard. Even when he blows his nose, y'all both blow your nose like horns. How do you blow your nose? Well, when I do, it doesn't make a horn noise or it goes, Arr. it's hilarious. But when I do blow my nose, I blow my nose with, with blue shoes. <laughs> Can we do the fucking show, please? We got I, I thought we have been. Oh, okay. Here we go. You Man. call me dog. See, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I, I sit here waited with bated breath and I haven't even had a goddamn morsel of food yet at all. Me neither. Liar. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like fucking bacon biscuits and shit already. Day. I'm telling dude, I wish Megan's got me on this bullshit. You know, Megan, bullshit. Megan got a Peloton. You knew that, but now she's got the Peloton treadmill. Now she's getting this stupid ass Pilates machine. So I'm eating all these like black rectangle boxes. What does that have to do with you? I, I know. I'm just saying like, there's no more cooking at my house. Now there's all this meal prep horse shit. That's just here. And. It's like uh Forrest Gump, right? Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I have no idea what's coming my way. And then, Hey, here's supper. It's teriyaki. Why don't you pineapple. tell her to cook something? Well, because with this way, she knows, you know, there's 400 calories in this or that. So I don't fucking know. But my, I guess my point is we all got problems, Bruce. Can we do the show? Again, I've been waiting days to do this show. For you first, what'd you say that we were supposed to well, do? Well, we're doing, as we're talking right now then. on the 22nd of June, <laughs> it's time to rumble. Here we go. <laughs> oh, it's been busy. Um, no excuse. I was just say I have to wash my hair. And if you could look at it, it's all right now. You say, Bruce, that ain't true. You ain't fucking washed your hair, but I'm good. It's all good, man. It's all good. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? You know, it's another day in paradise, Connie, by God. And just, I, I just adore and cherish every second that I can spend with you and all of our wonderful listeners. Now, them I like. Well, that's great to hear because we all like the 1991 Royal Rumble. It went down on January 19th, 1991 at the Miami Arena, of course, in Miami, Florida. 16,000 fans were on hand that night and this event, well, it deserves some discussion. Let's start first with the poster. It's one of the all-time favorite posters of wrestling collectors. It's the first year where it featured drawings of the wrestlers where they're all marching towards the camera. It's a spoof of the 1979 film, the warriors, which was a similar style poster, but 
since 91, this poster has become sort of like the standard for all wrestling posters. They repeat this same style the very next year. What do you remember or, or think about wrestling posters? Do you think this rumble 91 is going to remain one of the more iconic ones? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was a different thing and in a different way, you know, for the first few, we had all the pictures of the guys up and they were very standard. Um, I, I like to call the pay-per-view posters or movie posters, mm-hmm. you know, that would promote the, the bigger pay-per-view events. And on the rumble in particular, there was only so much you could do. Cause there was just a bunch of guys. Yeah. So it's, it's, Hey, it's a rumble with Hulk Hogan with earthquake, a big boss man, variety Piper and all this shit. This was a different way to do it, to put it into a setting. I thought it was cool as shit. It's one of my favorite. As a matter of fact, it's hanging in my house. Really? Yeah, really. I had no idea since I've never been invited or whatever. You have been invited. See, now this is the other thing that you do. You probably edit out because whenever <laughs> I invite you, I bet you do. I bet you do. Cause I've invited you. I don't know how many motherfucking times. Well, Bruce, you know, when I show up there, I'd actually like to see uh-huh. you. What, what I hear is even your own kids right now. I don't get to see shovel you. goddamn thing over here. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm known for shoveling. I shovel your shit here on the show every week. Well, Deacon's got a ones. fucking Peloton. <laughs> it's true. She would actually be like, oh, this will be fun. You hear that shoveling now? No. Guess what? Why? It ain't me. Is it Kane? No. Uh, is it? Never mind. Hey, let me ask. This poster, do you remember it? Can you give us any insight on it? Like, uh, who did it or whose idea it was or what Vince thought of it? Anything? It was, yeah, it was, uh, Debbie Bonanzio from the creative services, art department who came up and brought it to us, showed it to us. I'm not sure exactly whose idea, but the artist was some kind of big time artist. It was farmed out. It wasn't something that we did in house. It was farmed out to another artist and he did a couple of them. And then they started to find other artists that could do similar, you know, work like that, but you could tell it just wasn't as good. Was it Joe Jusco? Who? Joe Jusco. Maybe. Okay. Jusco, right? J U S K O. Yes. That's it. Okay. But I'm not sure that he, he may have done the second one, but I don't think that when they continued it on a little bit, I don't think he did all of them. Let's, um, let's keep it moving here. The show was reported to have done better. Remember when, before we started taping, you said that, uh, my brother looked like me. Yeah. There's that. You told me not to hit the, the. The mute button thing that I don't even can't even find on this new microphone. Thing. I'm going to send you a cough button. <coughs> I didn't Why don't you just do like this on the thing? Like you're pushing a button and now make me cough. I love right. that. You really are like my adult speaking spell. Let's see how it works. Here we go. <coughs> it worked. See, I wish I could press a button and make your ass show up for recording. I just wish you had a better work ethic. Yeah, well, my work ethic just fucking sucks. So the show's reported to have done better than a 3% buy rate, which was the highest of any rumble pay-per-view. That means a gross of about 8.9 million, 440,000 buys were reported here. Indeed. It's the most purchased Royal rumble until 1999 
which did 650,000. Now this is crazy, but this rumble in 91 does more than the WrestleMania show from 91. In fact, it does more than any other WrestleMania until 1998. If you look at the numbers, this is where things begin to fall fairly quickly for the company. Why do you think that is Bruce? I mean, normally WrestleMania is top dog and then we're battling it out. Will it be rumble or SummerSlam in the number two slot, but rumble 91 beats them all. What's up with that? Well, I thought it was, a. first of all, it was a pretty interesting rumble in and of itself with some of the names that were in it. But I think overall, as far as the fall is kind of when we started everything with a, with a rack or rack started everything with us or however the fuck that happened. And the country in, in and of itself was the first war that we had been in, in a long time. And your baby boomers coming up, it was, uh, well, the Vietnam war had ended. I don't know how many years, you know, 20 years before. So it'd been a long time. And, and I think that that affected the economy, but it also affected the mood of the country in that everybody's business was down and business wasn't good. In general, at this time, it was, it was a struggle. It was a fight. Okay. The cat's out of the bag. Now I can go ahead and share uh, Christmas, man. It was a hit at my house and it was all because of paintyourlife.com. Uh, Megan actually got her dad, a very special painting done. I don't want to give a spoiler here, but I'm sure he'll post it eventually. It was incredible, but I also got my mom, a painting of her dad, uh, my grandfather. And I got my dad, a painting of his mom, my grandmother, of course. But I have uh, two very special cousins who are like uh, little brothers to me, and they lost their dad this past year. So I found a picture of all three of them together. I sent it over to paintyourlife.com, and boom, we had a very special painting done to honor their dad, my uncle. Uh, But I'm still not done. I got Megan a giant, I mean a giant painting done uh, from our wedding, and now it's hanging in our dining room. I'm I'm saying all of this to say paintyourlife.com is not just a sponsor here for something to wrestle. It's something that is now fully ingrained in my family. And I want to mention I paid for my paintings, but I got a great deal because I used a promo code wrestle. All I had to do was text the word wrestle to 64,000 that's wrestle to 64,000. And I was able to get 20% off my painting and you can do that too. Now, what might you need in your life? Because, you know, Christmas is in the rearview mirror. How about a, a little special Valentine's Day gift? What about a graduation present? What about an anniversary present? These are meaningful and powerful presents. It's not a gift card. It's not a tie. It's not socks. It's not, you know, the latest technology that will be outdated in six months or whatever the latest fad is that no one will ever remember. If your family hasn't been able to be together like they might normally be together, this is the way to go. This is, uh, it's incredible, the emotion involved in unwrapping one of these. And in hindsight, I should have recorded it because it was a tearjerker, man. Everybody has something special in their life that they miss, and paintyourlife.com can make it happen. They can even, and I've seen some folks tag me on social media who heard me talk about this. They can even put family members together who never met. So maybe you had a grandfather or a grandmother who passed away and they never got a chance to meet their grandkids, but you can make it happen at paintyourlife.com. 
In fact, the guy at the office had that exact same situation. His dad passed away a year ago. So this past Christmas, uh, he had a picture of his newborn, uh, in the arms of his dad done from paintyourlife.com and he gave it to his mom. This is a professional hand painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You choose from a team of world-class artists. You work with them until every detail is perfect. They've got an easy user-friendly platform that allows you to get this custom made hand painted portrait process started in less than five minutes. And by the way, it's quick and easy. You're going to get the hand painted portrait in about three weeks and you can send any picture yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet. They can even combine photos. I cannot stress how big of a deal this is in my family and in my circle. We are big believers in paint your life. And I I want you to try it out, man. It's perfect for birthdays or anniversaries or wedding gifts. But if you're looking for something meaningful, if you're looking for something personal, if you're looking for something that'll be cherished forever, it's paintyourlife.com. And by the way, at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's WRESTLE to 64000. Text WRESTLE to 64000. Paint your life and celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. Again, text wrestle to 64,000. You know, listen, a lot of people are going to point to the storyline that you're doing here and say, oh, it's because you turned everyone off. But to your point, business was going to be down that year for WCW and everywhere else in wrestling. What would your response be to the critics who would say that? This whole desert storm, Sergeant slaughter, blah, blah, blah. Angle is going to be one of the driving factors and folks turning out in droves. I would say that first of all, that having to do it all over again, hindsight being 2020, we wouldn't have done it. And it was timely and it was, you know, in many ways, formula, uh, formulaic in how we had presented storylines before mirroring what was going on in the world and and being able to take conflict in the world and bring that conflict into the ring in a storyline that hopefully would make sense. And this was probably just a little too, a little too soon, a little too close to home. And I don't think that anyone ever really thought that except, you know, except, um, until this weekend that we were actually going to have a full conflict and, and go to war. It was, yeah, there was conflict out there and, and everybody was watching what's going on in Iraq. But you think that, you know, you hear this shit all the time. Oh, God damn, there's conflict. This guy did that. Well, we sent in troops. We did this, but there's no big major war and this one turned into that major war that people hadn't been a part of in many many years and i think that it just affected the psyche of the country i guess the idea here is we're going to talk about it a lot but for years and years there had been you know villains uh in wrestling that maybe weren't in the best taste there were nazi characters I mean, Fritz von Erich, 
And then there was, um, well, you know, the deal that we can go on and on, but I guess, is this one of those sort of teachable moments where Vince makes the decision moving forward? We're going to have to do things a little differently. We're going to have to, uh, because it did feel like for a long time, wrestling sort of had a tendency to play the lowest common denominator. Everybody did entertainment did entertainment. Look at the movies that they did, you know, with Japanese and, uh, the war and, uh, Hiroshima and different things like that. Pearl Harbor, um, world war two, world war one, it were glamorized in the movies and the villains were accentuated. These, you know, the evil Russians, the evil Germans, the evil Japanese that, had taken, you know, um, they'd taken the shape of the villain in America's eyes. But when you look at what the other side did, they did the same thing with us. I'm not arguing that, but I do think it's a little different when you have a touring brand, the idea being those characters who played a Nazi or, or, you know, a Japanese pilot or whatever, uh, they're going to go do interviews and, and, and promote their movie or their TV series or whatever, not as the character, but as themselves and talk about this movie as a standalone thing. Whereas when Sergeant Slaughter shows up to, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee, he's in his full garb. It's a totally different context. Is it not? To some point. Uh, yeah, to some point, but I think that it had always been, you know, the, you look at Japanese wrestling where Japanese wrestling really took off is when they started bringing Americans in to be the villains, to be the heels. Hey, here, here's the bad guys that, you know, came over after Pearl Harbor and leveled cities. So, you know, let's bring them in and portray them as these nasty, you know, people forgetting, forgetting about the, they, bomb Pearl Harbor first. So, you know, it was both sides, both sides absolutely sensationalized it. And that was part of entertainment at the time. And that was something that was done. And when talent would go to different countries, I mean, you would go to Germany and you would go to, uh, didn't really, anybody didn't really go to Russia but you'd go to Germany and, and work in Germany. And that's how a lot of guys got heat. I'm not saying it's right. Right. By any stretch of the imagination. And as you look back on it, it was just downright wrong, but, um, it was a different time. It was a, it was a completely different time of a different society that accepted that and ex- not only accepted it, but expected it. When you look back and you think about, you know, war conflict or whatever you want to call it in, in the WWE are the two examples. And obviously they're way different. Um, but they do have some similarities in that they were playing off of, um, a real life event. Now one was in hindsight and one was very much in the moment. I mean, by days. This and Muhammad Hassan, are those the only two instances? Because it feels like they're a little out of the comfort zone, a little out of what you normally do, and a very similar result on both. 
I'd say that both were victims of, of bad timing as yeah. well as just, you know, bad, probably bad characters and, and just bad judgment. I don't know about judgment. It, it was timing. I think that if they had been done at any other time where some of the outside circumstances hadn't taken place, I think that they would have been fine. But when you start seeing people, uh, in war, which they had never seen in real time before, you got to remember you, your, your closest war was Vietnam and that magnitude and all you saw was film that when it finally got back, but you didn't see the reporting of the war the way that they were able to report it in 1991 with CNN and having cameras, live cameras there that were reporting it, that that was unheard of. Right. And it was the first time anyone in the world had actually experienced that. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but eventually we all give it up because we realize it's full of sugar and junk we probably shouldn't be eating. So if you've been trying to cut down on carbs or sugar or unhealthy food the new year, you're probably thinking, and I can't eat anything anymore. And we're all trying to eat better, especially in January and February in the first part of the year. But a healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. This can actually be one of those New Year's resolutions you stick with thanks to Magic Spoon. Because Magic Spoon has amazing flavors that you love, but without all of the bad stuff. How about zero sugar? What about 11 grams of protein? There's only three net grams of carbs in each serving. And so many of you have asked, and now you can finally build your very own custom variety box. You can choose from the best-selling cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry flavors, plus brand new flavors, including peanut butter and cinnamon. This is amazing. It really does taste amazing. And it's honestly too good to be true. It's keto friendly. It's gluten-free. It's grain-free. It's soy-free. It's low carb and it's GMO free. This has been a major hit at my house. The kids are flip-flopping on what they like the most. But, dude, peanut butter and cinnamon, they're fired up about it. Uh, Cocoa has been, I think, probably the unanimous champion at the end, at least in my household. Uh, But I know the Silvas, man, they're rocking the fruity like it's going out of style. Here's the great part. You can try them all. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash wrestle and grab yourself a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our very special promo code wrestle at checkout to save $5 off of your order. Oh, and by the way, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash wrestle, and use the code wrestle to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast and breakfast. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, cable had not really been a thing, you know, it wasn't, wasn't possible. And, um, now with cable, you get 24, seven coverage of this with reporters on the ground there. It's a different thing. I mean, for the first time, Americans are seeing stuff in real time and not hearing about it after the fact. Now, normally we stick to wrestling news and notes here, but considering how prominent a role, you know, patriotism is playing in the show that we're covering today. I do think we probably need to delve a little bit into the events surrounding the Gulf war or conflict, whatever word you want to use, Bruce in August of 1990, Iraq led by Saddam Hussein invaded the oil rich country of Kuwait. And on November 29th, the UN security council authorized the use of force against Iraq. And, uh, it did not withdraw from Kuwait. 
uh, if it did not withdraw from Kuwait by January 15th, 1991. So giving you context here, this show takes place four days after Iraq was supposed to exit Kuwait. Of course, by January of 91, the allied coalition against Iraq had reached a strength of 700,000 troops, 540,000 of those were U S personnel and smaller numbers, uh, from the British, the French, the Egyptians, the Saudis, the Syrians, and other national contingents. Uh, but Saddam is refusing to withdraw Iraqi forces from Kuwait. And he he's maintaining that he wants to, uh, make this a province of Iraq. And they've built up like 300,000 troops during the occupation. So it looks like we're going to be in a full scale war and the allied coalition's military offensive against Iraq began on the 16th and 17th of 1991. So the day after and two days after he was supposed to exit, there's a massive U S led air campaign that continues throughout the war. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have sustained aerial bombardment that we're all seeing on ESPN. And it's going to be named Operation Desert Storm. We're going to destroy Iraq's air defenses before attacking its communication networks and government buildings, their weapons plants, their oil refineries, their bridges, their roads. And by mid-February, the Allies had shifted their air attacks to Iraq's forward ground forces in Kuwait and southern Iraq, destroying all their fortification and tanks. Here's the gist. Two days before this show, the shit hits the fan. Were you too far down the road, Bruce? Was there even a consideration of let's call an audible or did you, were you still optimistic that, ah, this will all blow over. We should just stay the course. I think that if you were to ask uh, anybody in that time that they believed it would pass, mm-hmm. that it was, ah, you know what, man? Okay. A couple things here, a couple things there, because it had been so long that there was anything more than that, that, Hey, they're going to get out. Everything's going to be fine. May take a couple days longer than it's supposed to, but everything would be fine. I think the internal optimists, most people sometimes can, can lead you down, you know, not wanting to believe people call me a pessimist because I'll say, well, Hey shit, man, this could happen. God, that won't happen. Come on. No, well, it could. And, uh, Sometimes it does. You want to believe, you want to believe, you want to hope that, that we're not going to go that far, that they're not going to do something stupid enough to, to create a war and that you're actually going to go into battle. That was something that we all thought as Americans, at least that we were beyond that for so long. Right. When, when you, um, clearly slaughter knows the creative Hogan knows the creative. Do you remember anybody calling up Vince or you or Pat and saying, Hey, uh, you watching TV? We sure we want to keep this path or was every, or was everybody sort of of the idea without even speaking about it? Ah, this will blow over. We'll be fine. No, I think that everyone was looking at it, not necessarily through rose colored glasses, but that kind of looking at it and saying, keeping a close eye on it. And you still have to believe based, based on what you're shown. Okay. This is, 
it's not good, but it's and what we were doing was was nothing more than than again choosing sides, right? And it historically had been done for years and years and years and years. Now, all of a sudden, I got to do this real quick. So anyway, I, you know, look, talent, we're talking about it. Sergeant Slaughter had um, security for him and his family. And it was touchy, but I think that sometimes it was looked at as, hey, wow, look at this great heat that we have. You know, uh, old school. Goddamn, back in the day, we had riots. People wanted to kill us. Um, <laughs> that That's what you strived for, as insane as that sounds. You you strive for people coming into the ring and trying to kill you because that meant you got heat. Um, it's it's uh it's a little strange when we discuss it in this context because it's like wait a minute you want people to come in and actually try and knife you and and kill you? Yeah, fuck man, that meant you had heat. I don't think that it would be possible to get that kind of heat anymore. I mean, I have it just walking down the street. But um, other than that, I, I don't know that anyone could sustain that kind of heat or actually get that kind of heat or want to get that kind of heat. Let's talk about the show itself. Uh, the commentary team is Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper's going to hijack the show just about three seconds into it and go on a tirade about the troops. He ends up giving a five-star promo, of course, because he's Roddy Piper, uh, but he's pretty wild on this night. You watch this show back for the first time in forever, uh, three weeks ago, uh, to chat me up here. how do you think gorilla and Roddy did together? And how did he do on this night where clearly we're trying to do more than we normally would. I think Roddy was a little fired up in general and, and everyone was. There were things going on in the world that we were keeping an eye on, and there was a patriotism taking place in our country, and that was something that hadn't been as fervent as it was in 1991 with the strife uh, overseas. So there were people that were united uh, as one in the United States, and Again, that was something that that hasn't happened that hadn't happened in a long time, and I dare say hasn't happened since. Let's talk about um, the show itself. Uh, this is a, a fun show. I mean, I, I absolutely loved this era. Uh, I'm at my peak fandom as a kid here. Uh, Meltzer even said it's you probably. Here's the here's the thing, man. And, and this, you know, listen, I'm going to beat you up and we've already done a little bit of it about the Gulf war stuff, but we just mentioned this has more buys than any rumble until rumble 99. So even when Austin's hot in 98, they don't beat it. It's not until they've really doubled down on Vince and Austin that they beat the number of buys they have here. This gets more than WrestleMania that year. So clearly there's a lot that fans are interested in. 
and the show itself is fantastic. Meltzer even says it's probably the best WWF pay-per-view event ever. So process what we're saying here. This is the best pay-per-view the company has ever done. No, no, I thought it was pretty good. Now I'm second guessing it. Oh, Jesus. Listen to you. Of course there is, you know, a big issue that we'll discuss, but right now let's just talk about what the readers of the wrestling observer thought they gave it 81.7% thumbs up only 12 and a half percent thumbs down 5.8% thumbs in the middle. It was nearly unanimous. Everyone thought the best match was the rockers versus the Orient express. They also thought the worst match was Coco beware versus the Mountie. There's a non-televised opener, a dark match, if you will, where Jerry sags of the nasty boys is going to pin Sam Houston, who, uh, I guess is going to return for a fairly full schedule is the report from the observer. He gave it two stars, Sam Houston in the WWF. A lot of our listeners probably don't even remember this happening. What can you tell us about Sam? Yeah, I don't remember happening either. Sam was Jake Roberts, little brother and, uh, rock and Robin was their little sister. You know, Sam was one of those guys that if he had only been able to fill out <laughs> like he did in much later years, I think that uh, Sam probably could have been the, the biggest star of the Smith family. Um, but I don't know that he had the that killer instinct like Jake had. Mm. You know, Jake, Jake is a unique cat. Jake had a psychology and killer instinct about everything that he did and was able to pull that off of the character of Jake, the snake, Robert, Sam wanted to be that. Yeehaw cowboy, baby face smiling. I'm going to get you. I'm going to lasso up me some grub and some party girls and, you know, half Tommy rich, half Dickie Slater, half uh, cowboy Latrell. Hey, real quick, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. And man, are they going to help you start the new year with a bang? Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. You can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, if you could benefit from more confidence, where it counts, blue chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA. And since blue chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. No awkwardness. You don't have to leave the house. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code WRESTLE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com and the promo code is WRESTLE to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you make this podcast possible. I mean, he's in for a cup of coffee, but... You know, I don't, I don't think it's super sustainable. Uh, I couldn't find him working very many shots, uh, past February. And it felt like even on house show cards, he started to be replaced by somebody else, even if he had been advertised. So he's only in for a short while. Well, that happens. Do you think that, but why is that? Do you think, 
somebody wasn't happy with his work. Did Vince get a look at him? I mean, you said he needed to fill out. Was Vince's knock on him? He's not big enough. Oh no! I'm saying he needed to fill out from the day he was born. But uh, no, I, I think that uh, Sam sometimes can always be the most reliable. And I got you. Things happen. Was he, um, as they like to say in wrestling, battling demons in that era? Maybe. In that era, I don't remember Sam battling demons. Um, I know in certain parts of his career that he may have had some demons to speak of, but I don't remember during this time that he was was really was really off. But I think that there were th- some things that we just couldn't see on the surface and didn't know about. Let's get to our opening match from the show. It's actually a, a sort of a rematch, I guess, from the prior year's WrestleMania, the Orient Express versus the Rockers. The uh, WrestleMania team was Tanaka and Sato. Tonight's team of the Orient Express is, is Kato, which is uh, Paul Diamond and Tanaka. This match is far, far superior. Meltzer gave it four stars. And in fact, he says this was the best WWF pay-per-view match since the 87 Steamboat Savage match at WrestleMania three. So if you're going to watch one match from the show, I know your inclination would be, well, let's watch the rumble or the title switch, but dude, the rockers, Sean and Marty are tearing it up here at the Orient express 19 minutes and 12 seconds. The rockers get the win when Paul diamond tries to slingshot Janetti into a blow by Tanaka, but Michaels hits Tanaka. Who's been over and then Janetti leaps over and pins Tanaka with a sunset flip. Great stuff. Meltzer would say, while well, not constant action, it was mainly action with the rockers providing many exceptional moves. Clearly Michaels is the one, one of the most talented individuals inside the ring in the business right now. The rockers did simultaneous dives through the ropes out of the ring and off the top rope doing cross body blocks simultaneously on the floor. It was long and mainly great, but there was a two minute nerve hold as a tribute to the wrestling career of Mr. Fuji. So he's doing a little tongue in cheek writing there, but I thought it was a great match and I'm sure you agree. I thought it was excellent. And these four guys, uh, loved working with each other every night and loved going out and stealing the show, which in many ways they did here. And they were able to take that first position on the show, set the tone for the rest of the night and deliver awesome matches. They like working with each other. You know, you go back and think about, uh, Sean and Paul diamond, they were tag team partners in what was it? Texas all-star or whatever the hell, um, the, the car salesman had, uh, bill bear, not bill barons. Um, I don't know. Guy in Texas. Uh, <laughs> that is show that might have, you know, one of the guys that Blanchard sold the territory to at some point. Let me ask uh, these guys. They Fred probably, Barron. Sorry, say again. Fred Barron was the guy's name. But these four guys, they've been working together since the AWA, right? Yeah. And we're making beautiful, beautiful music together. What do you think of Meltzer's assessment that even here in January of 91, clearly Michaels is one of the most talented individuals inside the ring in this business right now. Did you guys believe that in, in January of 91? Yeah. I believed it the, the day that they came in as a tag team full time, uh, not in 88 because then they, they are, I mean, 87, but when they came back in 88, 
yeah, I think, I think they were the best tag team in, in the country, in the world at that point. It's probably one of the best tag matches of all time. Certainly like no other tag team even came remotely close. Right. Well, it's angles time here. Um, they interview Randy Savage and he's backstage and he said that Sergeant Slaughter promised him a title shot when he would win the WWF title later in the show. And Sean Mooney asked what if ultimate warrior won and Savage said, Sherry would take care of that. So Sherry came out in front of the crowd and does a long interview with mean Jean. She's all dressed up and, uh, for all of her talents, one of the things Sherry didn't do well here is cut a big promo. Um, warrior comes out to save the interview. Sherry asks warrior to give Savage the next title match. Then she starts rubbing warrior's chest. He's got his hair back saying how she always admired him and, and talked about their lips touching. And she always fantasized about what it would be like to touch his chest. And then she gets down on her knees and you can sort of, I guess, let your imagination run wild, but warrior says no. And Savage starts throwing furniture backstage and runs out to the ring, but warrior's gone. But here's, what's interesting to me. This is 91, mostly a, a, a kid oriented product. When Sherry goes down to her knees, the crowd pops like, well, they're going to see something. Some folks maybe were even chanting for it. What do you remember about this little piece of business here? Free kill, free kill. Oh, yeah. It's, well, get a title match. You don't care what it is you have to do, Sherry. Yeah, dig it all. If he's not listening to you up there, then go down there where he can hear you a little better. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, man, this was Sherry at her best. This was Sherry being that, that seductive queen, bitch, witch that she played better than anybody, man. And it was fun to watch. It was just really, really fun to watch Sherry at her best and for her to do her work. Um, Randy, Randy was Randy and warrior was warrior. Cause all he had to do was stand there. If you're a body guy, like ultimate warrior, why would you be wearing a leather jacket here? That's a good question. Also, I can't answer that question because, see, you know, I'm not a body guy and I wouldn't even wear a leather jacket there. I just, I just let it go, man. What the hell? Watch right now. I'm just. Oh, God. You need to tan. I got to get you one of these tanning beds. Hey, send so- it to me, please. I'm begging you. Send me the stand up bed. You're not going to use it. Just send it to me. I'll pay you the freight. Why would a baby face Can sing- you wrap it up today? Can you record these other podcasts we got to record today? No. Okay. Well, but that's not fair. It is fair. We've got ads that were sold for sponsors and we haven't delivered. We're, we're going to deliver this weekend. We've talked about this. Okay. Why would a baby face say no to a title defense? I mean, if I was, he wasn't saying no to a title defense, he was saying no to Sherry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just blew your mind. Didn't I? Where were you? Where were you for this? Are you in gorilla in this era? Sitting next to Vince like you are these days or not so much? Um, I probably, I probably was all over the place during this. 
Kind of like Dick. I was all over the place. Then it, well, that's a deep cut. Of course, we're talking about Saturday night's main event there, and there's a shirt available over at BrucePritchard.com. The next match starts slow, but ends up far better than anyone probably expected. Bobby the Brain, who had made some derogatory remarks about Boss Man's mother on commentary, is now in a blood feud with the big boss man. And on this night, Bobby's protege is the barbarian. Uh, Bobby and, and Ray trailer were good in real life, right? They were, you know, cool with working together and all that and whatnot. Right. Oh, absolutely. We even went, to, uh, went to boss man's mom, mom's house and met her and hung out with her to make sure that she was good with everything. Are you kidding? She knew what she was. She knew what she was. Oh, I don't even know what that means. I don't know. She, why. Was, she was the mama of a professional wrestler that she was very proud of. She loved her baby Ray. And she was like, I swear to God, man, uh, Ray trailer's mom was this exactly what you would expect of a, a Southern mama. God, she was sweet. She just wanted to make it, make sure like we just went by the house to say hello and, and introduce and let her know what we were going to do. And, and just, Hey, we're having some fun here. Here's Bobby's really not that bad of a guy and blah, blah, blah. Um, she just wants to make sure everybody's got some sweet tea and y'all want something to eat. I'm getting ready. To, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cook some stuff over here. Y'all look like y'all haven't eaten yet. What? You ate 30 minutes ago. You need to eat again. She just was one of those people that, uh, and she got it. I mean, she just, she got it. And, uh, she says, is this going to be where I get to wrestle you? Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was, it was really fun. And she was a sweetheart of a woman that just, um, yeah, she, if you were, to, if you were to go to central casting and I need, you know, that, that sweet mama who had a, who had a boy, a big boy, a giant, like a big giant Jethro Bodine boy that she loved more in life itself. That was Ray Trailer's mama. That was Mrs. Boss man which made it easier to, to do all the stuff that we did. I like the reference to central casting there. How fun is it that boss man through his career had so many family related angles, whether it's this one or, you know, with big shows, dad, <laughs> your dad is dead. Yeah. So boss man pins the barbarian. You want to guess how long this match is? Don't look, no, don't look. I can't. What are you doing to my thing? 14 minutes. They gave the barbarian and boss man 14 minutes, but how about this? Meltzer says boss man, pin Barb in 14, 14 by reversing a flying body press and rolling with it for the pin. The first part of the match was downright awful. They didn't touch until the two minute mark did a few decent moves. And then they did a bear hug spot that lasted two and a half minutes. But from that point on, it was excellent with the two trading one hot move and near fall after another until the finish two and three quarter stars and boss man. You've talked about a lot being a big bumping heel, but he was sort of all over the place. Body wise. You know, when he first comes in, he was a lot bigger than he is here. He starts to lean out and man, he could move for a big fella and certainly barbarian could too. So while on paper, this may not look like a good idea an execution. Once they got going, this is a pretty good match. It, it was a good match. It wasn't great, but it was a, it was a pretty damn good solid match with a couple big guys that could go. And 
you know, you throw in a Bobby Heenan story in there and, and now I'm interested. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, why did the baby, or why did big boss man get over so much as a baby face? I mean, I think he was brought in as a, a heel who committed some police brutality, but by 91, he's one alleged, of the, alleged, alleged, but still he's feeding with Hogan, et cetera, et cetera. And now he's one of the more iconic stars of the era here by 91. Is it just because in order for me to love you, I've got to hate you first or whatever that old storytelling cliche is. Well, usually you love, you love people more once you hate them first. And you can hate people more once you love them first. But I think that big boss man was very relatable and big boss man, whether you were from the South, he was genuine. And if you were from the North, he's what you want us, someone from the South to be like, you know what I'm saying? Chat me up on what you think. Let's talk about, uh, the next match. We got stars. You're not going to chat me up. I'm not going to chat you up. That's fucked up, man. You're like a Southerner down South that us Northerners. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Two weeks ago, you were a Southerner. I'm a goddamn Texan. I'm as Southern as it fucking gets. There is no more Southern than me. Cause I'm a Texan. You're a damn Yankee. So slaughter wins the WWF title from the anabolic warrior in 12 minutes and 45 seconds. That's directly from the observer. Yeah. Fuck him. And those goddamn references. Has he ever looked in, in his little midget mirror that makes his, what? makes him get all puffed up and shit. Does he have one of those magical mirrors that like, he's got to see something hey. else in the mirror when he looks at it. Yippee warrior yeah, comes out but, wearing, okay, why is it okay for, for this little shit? Oh God. Fucking put nicknames and shit on other people. Oh, but don't, don't fucking disparage fucking Dynaball Dave. Are you really, what, what are you doing right now? What? I'm, I'm doing the same thing that the, that the reporter, that the journalist. Don't, well, don't do uh, that. Huh? No, can we just talk about the show? Why are you hot about what somebody wrote because 30 years ago? Up, I, something that I find very offensive when he puts names and, and well, Jesus and Christ, are we going to fucking debate whether or not warrior was on steroids? Of course he was. I don't know that. Oh my God. This is the same guy who allegedly left needles behind in a hotel room and caused a huge issue for you guys. Not too terribly long from this point, by the way. And fucking look at him. Anyway. Adfreeshows.com is the place to be as a wrestling fan. If you like current product, we have something for you. Maybe you love nostalgia. Again, then you are really going to enjoy the interactive experiences, live events, and all your favorite podcasts on video, including the brand new Kurt Angle show at adfreeshows.com. Just this week, Conrad added another Ad-Free Shows exclusive weekly podcast with Chris Hero and is already getting rave reviews. Check out Chris sharing his thoughts on the recent evolution of NXT. Once they went live week to week, they started losing focus of what they wanted to do um, or what they wanted from the talent, rather, because... The initial purpose of NXT was to have a television show to get talent ready for the main roster. They ended up into this lucrative deal with Full Sail, and they got on Hulu, and then the network came. And now now the 
they capitalize on that niche fan as opposed to the casual fan that loves the the main WWE superstars. Chris drops other bombshells on this episode as well, and he will be back each and every week. So sign up today at adfreeshows.com and become a member now at any tier and receive a custom RSS feed link for all your apps. Not ready to subscribe? Then simply go to adfreeshows.com and listen to the show free each week. So what are you waiting on? Join the family. Go to adfreeshows.com right now and gain immediate access to everything mentioned and so much more. Of course, all ad-free. So become a part of the fastest growing wrestling community today at adfreeshows.com. Meltzer's report is, yippee, Warrior comes out wearing red, white, and blue. Thankfully, the WWF doesn't condone Sergeant Slaughter or he didn't bring general Adnan out with him and they didn't have the Iraqi flag to infuriate an already riled mob. Oh, they did. The first two minutes were great with Sarge trying to relive 1981, taking one great bump after another. Well, at this point, poor Sarge is blown up and warrior who basically stood still the whole time. Sarge was taking all these awesome bumps. Wasn't in any better shape. Well, out comes Sherry to save the day. Sherry trips warrior who jumps out of the ring and chases her down the aisle. Randy Savage is hiding behind some TV equipment and jumps out and gives warrior a clothesline and hits him with a TV light stand. Slaughter kept breaking up the count while warrior laid and crawled around for about three minutes to get back in the ring. After two minutes of not so hot action, they went to a two minute bear hug, then a camel clutch with warrior in the ropes. Slaughter got up like he won, but then warrior starts the comeback. Sherry comes back out again and gets in the ring warrior press slams Sherry and heaves her over the top rope into the awaiting arms of Savage. Then Sherry deserves to make more money than just about anyone in the company, except for the guy like Hogan, who puts people in the seats. Anyone anyway, behind the ref's back, Savage hits warrior with the scepter, which splattered everywhere and slaughter pinned him to win the title as a wrestling match. There was nothing to this after the first two minutes. But give the WWF credit enough to know that these guys could only go two minutes without outside help. So they sent out the best outside help in the world. And really this thing was very entertaining because of those not involved in the match itself, three and a half stars. So he's critical of Sarge and critical of slaughter, but loved what Savage and Sherry did. And that's hard to argue. I mean, he's critical of Sarge and critical of slaughter. Okay. Of warrior. You motherfucker. Well, the splatter, as he describes it with the scepter, allegedly when this thing explodes, there's legitimately little pieces of glass and shit in warrior's head. He's legitimately bleeding through his hair warrior. I mean, savage swung for the fucking fences here. Did he not? Yes, he did. Uh huh. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Back in baseball days. Here we go. Swing that better, 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 better. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that my shit looks good. Yeah. Fuck your head. Read my boots, bitch. First name, my jewelless name, King. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I love Macho King in this era. 
Uh, I you can lo- call me Mr. King. Uh-huh. I, lo- I love Mr. King. I love Mr. Warrior. I'm peak fandom here. I'm nine years old. Uh, this is, this is my shit, man, but I don't know that I would have called Sergeant Slaughter winning in hindsight. I guess I should have. I just assumed, Hey, we're going to do Hogan warrior at WrestleMania seven, especially since some of the posters and whatnot had both of their logos on there. I just kind of felt like that's where we were going, but you go with slaughter in those 48 hours leading up to the event. Once things really turn up in a major way, nobody considers calling an audible. I mean, I, I realize we're still going to have the match, but if warrior beats him here, then maybe this thing's stamped out and then we got to figure out something for WrestleMania. Was that just totally out of the question? No, it wasn't totally out of the question. It just didn't happen. And I believe God damn, it was, um, so the show started at seven. It was at about eight thirty that like all hell broke loose over there. And then Bush came out. We have declared war because those words hadn't been spoken until that night. And it was like, we have declared war. We've had presence there. We've done this, but now we're declaring war. And I was like, motherfucker. It was, it was Right before the rumble, I remember going, son of a bitch, could you have not just waited? Couldn't you wait until the pay-per-view is over? Because I know that George is probably watching the pay-per-view. It's just, you know, like old Sadam, you know, they were probably watching the pay-per-view. Just couldn't you have waited? I don't think that's asking a whole lot. They didn't. And so then it was, it was like, holy shit. What, you know, I mean, we're in it, go for it. It's unbelievable that this is still the direction that we're heading. You know, um, I don't, I, we've talked about this a lot on our WrestleMania seven episode and well, a bunch of other episodes. So maybe there's only so much to touch on here, but. And you even said at the top of the show, in hindsight, you wouldn't have done it. You also kicked around once upon a time that the idea was going to be to have tugboat turn and have tugboat feud with Hogan. And you sort of freestyled and maybe a little tongue in cheek, chic tugboat. No, it wasn't tongue in cheek. He was going to be, he was going to be an Iraqi sympathizer and wear the, wear the whole thing on his head and everything. In hindsight, what could you have done here? If you, if you don't, if you decided, okay, this is in poor taste, bad timing. Uh, we got to scratch it. So we're going to call an audible warrior's going to go over. We're going to kill this Iraqi sympathizer shit. But now the next day we gotta, we gotta have a real plan for what we're doing for mania. What do you think it would have wound up being? I mean, I guess you could have done warrior savage still. Yeah. Um, but you still need some for the Hulkster. Yeah. And at that time we were still going in a stadium. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was, so maybe you would have turned tugboat, maybe not as a chic, but you could have did tugboat Hogan. Nobody would have given a fuck. I love me some Fred, but nobody would have given a fuck at that point. Well, let's talk about something, uh, kind of silly and just tie it together. 
You remember when we talked about when warrior came back in 96 and he had the little moment on raw where Jerry Lawler is going to hit him over the head with a framed picture, but he's going to have glass out, not glass on the head, but warrior for the first time ever still said, uh, I need to wear a hat and I'm going to put some padding in there. This because of this savage scepter shot. Is it not? This is like a fool me once, right? I, I guess I, I just think it was anyway, let's get, like getting hit in the head. I can tell you're ready to move on. Let's talk about number four. Uh, Meltzer says, instead of risking a riot to have an intermission, they did the next best thing. Sending a basic unknown, the Mountie out with Coco beware. It really wasn't bad at all, but nobody cared, nor could any two wrestlers get any heat at that point in time. Rougeau won in nine minutes and five seconds. Both tried. Rougeau did some nice tie up moves at first glance. The gimmick looks pretty lame though. Star in three quarters. This is before the Mountie has his own theme song, which really probably brings the gimmick up a level or two. What do you remember about this match? And more importantly, the reaction from the crowd for the Mountie. Oh God. The crowd did not give a fuck. They were still hot buzzing about warrior. And I, I don't know that anyone thought in a million years that warrior was going to drop the championship that night. No. So you're, you're looking at it. The audience is still in somewhat of a stunned state. So why not bring out a Mountie and a bird man? I'm glad you said what you said about nobody being able to call the warrior because this feels like, and I'm sure you're going to shit on it, but this feels, this feels like one of the first times that there is maybe a discussion in the back about the creative and what way should we go? And the statement is they'll never see it coming. Sort of one of the original of the, of this era swerves, if you will, because a lot of times what was going to happen was fairly predictable, but given what was happening on TV and how over the warrior was and how savage was maybe a little past his prime. Yeah. Nobody really would have called this, but a lot of times when people say, oh, they won't see it coming, they won't be able to call it. If a decision is made for that reason, a lot of times it winds up just not being the best. You think this is one of those instances where it was a swerve for the sake of a swerve and going a different no, direction? Okay. No, 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 no. Because it was, it was continuing the story between Randy and warrior for WrestleMania That's true. and getting the title off of warrior, uh, so that Hulk and company could go on to WrestleMania. The story was Randy and, and warrior. So it was an opportunity for them to, uh, to continue that story and make it even hotter and make it about the championship. After the match, we go to an awkward person on the street interview spot where they have random people in the audience, giving a shout out to our troops in Saudi Arabia. Normally we would be hearing who they think is going to win the rumble. And it would be a bunch of little kids saying, I think the British bulldog is going to win and shit like that. Adam Sandler was there. Yes. But instead we're having, you know, even police officers give a shout out to our troops in Saudi Arabia. Is this a way to sort of, I don't know, counterbalance what we're doing with slaughter. 
it was, you know, again, it was the mood of the country. So you look around and people were, everybody was talking about it. Um, and just, you know, thinking that, by God, America's going to prevail and, and uh, there ain't going to be no war because nobody wants to mess with us. God bless our boys for going over there and keeping everything peaceful. That was the sentiment of the country, and that was something that we just wanted to put to put out there and let everybody know that we shared that sentiment. Let's talk about uh, the next series of promos. This is one of my favorite parts of the Rumble. You have a lot of, if not all, of the Rumble participants cut a promo. I guess that's not all, but most. And man, Bulldog and Martell here are gigantic. I mean, they look they're right off of a bodybuilding magazine. And then oddly enough, the last person to to speak isn't Hulk Hogan, which I think is normally the tradition in this spot. Instead, it's Tugboat. And he says something like, if it comes down to the Hulkster and 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 myself, and then he hits his old whatever shit, uh, <laughs> tugboats in the last spot. What's up with that? It's tugboat. Well, just a minute ago, nobody would have gave a shit. You nobody did give a shit. <laughs> nobody did give a shit, but he was a big son of a bitch. Um, by the way, I feel bad for him cause he's a nice guy. Oh, no, he's a great guy, a wonderful guy. And, you know, I think that with the natural disasters and shit where he was typhoon, I thought he was tremendous as typhoon. I thought tugboat, the tugboat character, I thought sucked. I thought it was a grown ass man in a fucking, uh, striped sailor outfit going, it just wasn't, uh, it doesn't uh, Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred with a little, little strap shit on there and all going out too, too, baby. She, um, she'll be a killer. She'll be a big, mean, nasty, big, mean, nasty, big Fred. I love you. I love you, big Fred. You know, I, it just, it was, uh, I, yeah, I'm not talking about one. I, hey, first of all, I think that a gimmick of a guy named Tugboat would be cool. It's just not, I wasn't crazy about the outfit, wasn't crazy about the portrayal, and uh, I thought that some of the uh, early vignettes were just absolutely the drizzling shits. I want to mention um, when they cut back to the announce desk, it's a cold cut, just right from Tugboat's promo straight to Gorilla and Roddy. And they're trying very hard not to laugh. And then gorilla loses it and Roddy loses it. And when Roddy starts laughing, gorilla really starts laughing. I feel bad for uncle Fred here. Oh, uncle Fred. I think uncle Fred is okay. With little babies. He, he might've been sleeping during this time. He had the knock left there. He might already nod it off. It's all good. Somebody wake him up. Wake uncle Fred up. Let them know the time we're going to eat again. Here's my question. Here's my question. I guess for him to mention Hogan, if it comes down to me and Hogan, clearly that's not something he's doing on his own. Did you just want to have something in your back pocket in case the heat got too crazy and you needed to call an audible? No, we weren't calling an audible at that point. Why would he mention him there? 
just standard. If it comes biggest down to me, the biggest star in the company. And they were closely associated like a tag team. Correct. Know? So like if Axe and Smash were in there, they're both going to try to win time deal, right? Here comes the axe. Here comes the smasher. Their demolition. Walking disaster. Yeah. Up next, a match that includes. I mentioned you if we were in a Royal Rumble. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. I said, I, yes, I would. I'd say, hey, let me chat you up about Connie. I love that. We're in the Rumble at the same time. He's going to find out real motherfucking quick why I'm three times, soon to be four time motherfucking Black Belt Hall of Fame. Are you really about to be four time? Okay. Up next, a match that includes two guys named Virgil, but also an angle that's been building literally for years. Um, even at the rumble the year before Ted DiBiase was shoving and berating Virgil. So this has been a long game here. It's Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and Virgil on one side, taking on dusty and Dustin Rhodes. This is essentially going to be their swan song here with the company. And it's basically a backdrop for the long awaited split between DiBiase and Virgil. They go nine minutes and 57 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say the match itself was pretty bad. Gorilla was wrong again. Um, when describing which ligament in the knee they were working over, who gives a shit, but the breakup, uh, you know what? I think whoever was listening to him was wrong. They just didn't understand. Gorilla was right. Sometimes those ligaments move and they rename them after a while. Pretty sure. That's how so Ted's beating up Virgil just before the finish of the match. And then Ted tells Virgil to pick his belt up, which was laying on the mat and put it around his waist. There's a very long dramatic pause and Virgil clocks Teddy with the belt hard. And Meltzer would say Teddy even got a slight hard way cut and walked off. He says the match itself deserved one star, but the angle itself was four stars. He gave it two and a quarter fans were white hot for Virgil to stop putting up with this bullshit. Were they not? Yes. And it had, it had, you know, just gone for so long. And I think that the. Uh, way that Virgil portrayed it for so long, man, it was a slow burn that, you know, they wanted him and it wasn't the typical, uh, old manager is when the promoter would ask, are you getting all your money? And, uh, it, it was, it was worth it. This was a three and a half year story or four year story with Virgil. So it, it worked. It's fantastic. One of the biggest pops of the night. How excited was the real Mike Jones behind the scenes to have this spot? I mean, cause this is, this is a career moment here. Well, you know, you talk about options for WrestleMania. Well, there you have it. I mean, Virgil and DiBiase, cause Huge. at least that's how Virgil saw it. I mean, you don't think that would have been big. It's the main event. <laughs> Have you, have you, have you ever seen Virgil after the bell rang when it went ding, ding, ding? Yeah. I then, mean, what, then what happened? He wrestled a slaughter like match. No. Oh, fuck you. Slaughter's fucking. Oh my God. I'm just busting balls. I will Come. fucking kill you. No, you won't. That would require you actually you Royal rumble right now. Connie. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. Talk well, to, talk to me about dusty here. He's I'll this fucking is fucking take you just up to the second time I was inducted in black <sighs> hall of fame. Boy, it's weird when we get eight minutes a month to record and you fucking still got adult ADD like a motherfucker. Do what? 
<laughs> Dusty, um, he's, he's wrapping up here. I mean, this is it for him. He's finishing up his last show. You're his old pal. What's, I mean, this is his last appearance with the company for 15 years. Uh, Dustin's going to be gone for five years after this. Of course, he's going to come back totally different as gold dust. What do you remember about that night and saying goodbye to your old friend, Virgil Reynolds? Very bittersweet. And, and, uh, you know, the thing was dusty wasn't happy where he was and, uh, dream was ready to go. And dream had another opportunity to go back to Atlanta and do his thing. So I didn't want dusty to go just cause I like dusty, but that's not always the reason someone should stay. It was hard. It was bittersweet. I was happy for him because he, he was going to go do what he loved to do. Right. And I think the next week or whatever, or even the week before that, he was, you know, I'm sitting in the Omni Hotel. I'm sitting in looking out over, over CNN town, waiting for him to go on. And we're going we to change things up a little bit. Punkinhead, Punkinhead, when you ready, you ready to make that move? No, you need to let me. Let me help you out there a little bit. I, I could always use that heady old baby. And uh, it just was, yeah, it, it sucked. But uh, I think Dusty, in his mind, was going to a better place. And that's where he needed to be. Next up, we get a Hulk Hogan promo. And Thank God. Let me, I guess we, we've talked about it before, but I want to mention it again. When we're doing all the rumble pre-tapes, cause they are pre-tapes when you've got that many guys, one after another that's done in the afternoon, but this Hogan promo, this has to be live because he's mid promo and completely forgets Saddam Hussein's name. And he turns and looks at Mean Gene and says, you know who brother Sudan, Sudan Hussein. I mean, he's struggling. But it's like talking about old Sudan Hussein that used to work Kansas City territory there. You know, Sean Bedford, he was Sudan Hussein. He worked that gimmick there in, in Kansas City. A little bit, you know, they did a little bit in Nevada too. You look a little like Sudan Hussein. <laughs> you can tell me anything about the promo, or are we just going to keep doing bubblegum shit here? No, it was like, no, dude, it was, what the fuck? It was live. I thought it was fucking great. It was goddamn stereotypical Hulk Hogan yes. excited, telling us what the fuck was going to happen. And by God, everything's okay in America because he is America goddamn made. And when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. What? You just, you know, every now and again, I get frustrated with your ass and then you totally redeem yourself with that shit. Let's get to the you rumble. Make a stand. You can't run and hide. <laughs> Cause he's a real goddamn American. Oh God. Fight for the rights of every man. That's what right. The immortal and shameful Even Hulk Sudan. Hogan throughout the charismatic <laughs> earthquake to win the rumble. And 65, 16, he says, this is the worst of the four rumbles thus far. They kept a lot of the guys in the ring for long periods of time, but unlike in other years, when guys like Kurt Henning, Bret Hart, or Shawn Michaels had their best working shoes on and carried the action for the non-workers, 
it seemed that everyone was just told to go out there and punch and kick and little was worked out. There are almost no high spots. Nobody took any kind of special bumps after being eliminated. Since Hogan was already told us he was going to win the rumble before the thing started by guaranteeing his victory for the troops abroad. <laughs> you know, that's actually kind of funny in hindsight. Can you imagine if he says, I dedicate this match to the troops over in Iraq, man. And then he goes out there and loses. Fuck. You can't do that. Right. Well, hell no. Cause this is goddamn real American. I am a real American fight for the rights of every man. Was Pat on hiatus here? No, Pat was with us. Why was this rumble? Why did it look and feel different? an execution than the others had. Um, I think more than anything is because we were worried about so much other shit and you know, you're watching everything else that's going on in the world and, and you're, you're just wondering about everything else under the sun. So when you're, you're focused on that, you know, Pat had to help with the damn warrior and savage stuff. And then you got to do all this. Um, it just wasn't, you know, we, we spent the weekend down there going over everything, but there were a lot of what ifs and there were, you know, there were plan A's and plan B's, but there was never a change in the match. There was never a change in the attraction, how we got to that attraction and what we might've done uh, before and after there were different ways to approach it, but then we were in it. We were in it and, uh, fucking declared war while we were in the middle of the rumble again, they could have just waited. Like, I mean, think about it. Um, you, the, the, the Royal Rumble's over and you go to CNN and they're reporting on Hulk Hogan winning the Royal Rumble. Sergeant Slaughter is the new uh, WWF champion. And oh, by the way, here's President Bush. It's true. Oh, it's damn true. No, I'm not just talking about the fact that the Kurt Angle show will start for free this Sunday, Super Sunday, anywhere you enjoy podcasts. I'm talking about what you've heard me say on the podcast for years. Don't take my word for it. Check out Mark from Middletown, Ohio. He says, everyone was extremely helpful and kind to me from the first day all the way until we closed. I always felt like everyone I interacted with had one goal and that was to save me money. I couldn't recommend them enough. Now I can finally say I proved my wife wrong. A wrestling podcaster really can save you a ton of money. Just don't tell her I said that. We helped Mark save a ton of cash. He gave us a five-star review. We made it fast and easy. And as a reminder, I'm in Alabama. He's in Ohio. We're doing this in more than 40 states right now. Yes, including your state. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But I'm telling you, if you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? It sounds too good to be true, but First Family Mortgage can do it for you right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You're, uh, you get to be ringside for this. I think this is the only time you were ringside 
for a Royal rumble. You come out with the undertaker. How was your experience that night? Well, he didn't listen to me. Otherwise he would have won. <laughs> if he'd only listened to me, then we'd have a, he would have won that championship much sooner. I'm confident of that. You want to try to discuss Saba Simba was, here? Want to discuss Saba Simba? Saba Simba, Tony Atlas comes out in a very regrettable gimmick. He's Saba Simba here. And a lot of folks who just watch the pay-per-views from this era and don't really go back and watch the TV. were probably like, what the fuck is that? Tony Atlas. What's he wearing? Wait, what'd they call him? What can you tell us about Saba Simba here? Saba Simba. When I came back, actually, no, Saba, well, Saba, no, it couldn't have been Saba Simba. Yeah. Saba Simba's here, Bubba. No, I don't think so. Well, you're wrong. I don't think I am because Saba Simba, when I came back, uh, I, I will never forget. It was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And Vince wanted to show me this gimmick and it was, you know, this music and Tony Atlas comes down with this shield and all this garb and this immaculate fucking deal. And he gets in the ring and he takes all the shit off and he was wearing blue trunks and he was barefoot and bald headed and says, what do you think? I said, well, I think Tony Atlas forgot his boots. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, well, he comes out and all this shit. He saw Simba, but once he takes all the shit off, he's Tony Atlas without boots. Right. I, I was not a fan of Saba Simba in any way, shape or form. So, but I, you know, I tell you, it was, um, I think I was the only manager that got to go down and stay down there for the rumble itself. Could be mistaken. No, no, there were others. They were all around the ring. Okay. Then th that may have been the year that we did it, but it was, um, that was interesting. That was an awful lot of fun. So I want to ask about Saba Simba because this is the last time we see the character. He's here as Saba Simba in rumble 91 and afterwards he's not on TV. And I don't even think he works a match with you guys again until September. Uh, and he has one last match in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, working with IRS, but it's a substitution for Jim Neidhart. So it feels like, Hey, uh, we need somebody and we can get him. So here he is, but this is it for Saba Simba. What's, what's yeah, up? it may have been, you know, as far as I remember, man, might have been just a tryout thing. Let's try this and see if it see if it works. But then, you know, when they brought him back later on is when he had all the garb and all the shit. And and guess what? It still didn't work. Hey, Conrad, you know who was asking about you the other day? Nobody. Nobody. I think it's come back was, uh, August 4th, 1990. And on August 28th is when he's recast as Saba Simba. Um, you know, in hindsight, maybe not the best idea, but Tony Atlas did some interviews along the way where he said he was homeless before. And now, you know, I'm not trying to poke fun, but he says I was homeless and living on a park bench when I got a phone call from Vince McMahon. And I don't know how Vince would even call him there. But I don't know how he 
how did he get the number to the bench? <laughs> I know it's not funny, but it's like I'm not. I'm. I'm but I mean, that's you know, the story. Anyway, the point is, so while we may say, "Man, I can't believe they did that," or "Why would he do that?" Um, I think sometimes we forget that these are these are real people who have real bills and real life to live and pay for and responsibility. And, uh, you know, my favorite, I saw this thing years ago where they asked Christopher Walken why he did this movie. Cause it didn't really fit. Like he had been doing all these serious movies and now he did this silly shit. And it was just like, wait, what is this? And he just matter of factly said, oh yeah, my wife wanted another house. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. We forget the, this is not just artsy fartsy stuff all the time. There's a real practical Oh yeah. He has to go to work and get paid too. So, uh, in hindsight, what happens folks? Yes. If you don't work and, um, I mean, not everybody has a work ethic of, uh, Oh God, Dave, but, um, you know, unless you work, you don't get paid. And sometimes hours can be a little ridiculous. (laughs) We're we're racking up out of work to get paid. Well, we're racking up the regrettable gimmicks here. Are we not though? With the with Sergeant Slaughter being the Iraqi sympathizer, Saba Simba, we're rolling. We're yeah, we're done though. What what do you think about uh, the Bushwhacker spot? One of the better spots in Rumble history. Absolutely classic. Absolutely just just classic and love it. Shane Douglas is in this Rumble. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Shane. I think most people, when they think of '91, they don't think of Shane as being here, but he was. Why didn't it work? Shane here in the country. Why didn't he stick? I mean, we know he's going to wind up back in WCW and have a good run there and then go sort of recreate himself in ECW, but here in 91, it feels like he checks all of Vince's boxes. You know, he's a good, good looking guy in good shape. Got some good size on him. Um, I, I just think we already had Shawn Michaels. Mm. Um, and yeah, Sean was still in the tag team as the rockers, but I don't know that even then that Shane was, that there was something missing, I think with him at that point, still trying to find himself. You know, he was still thinking about being a dynamic dude and shit like that. He, he had to conquer that first. I want to mention this. Um, Meltzer says, uh, Valentine went out at 46 minutes, which means he was in the ring for 44 minutes. As the story goes, this was his punishment for working the Herb Abrams dates in New York, uh, the company, since Valentine wasn't under contract, couldn't stop him from working the Indies, but they weren't too happy. He worked for McMahon's enemy, Mr. Abrams. What do you make of that report from the observer? I don't think that Ben, I really don't think the Vince would even be able to pick Herb Abrams out of a lineup Yeah, and or cared and you know, that's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I remember that. Cause we had the list of people. These are the people we're going to punish. Yeah. This one, it was like by Greg's name. It was, it was like a H a, you know, well, everybody, knew, everybody knew, everybody knew. Cause it was just so obvious. Everybody knew. Cause, cause, um, oh, DDM, DSDM. No, uh, he knew. Come on. What? Dipshit Dave. No, actually, see, I'm not even going to put the M on the end of it. Just DSD. Okay. I like you had to think about that. That's how I, I, did, I, did, I did. I had to smell it out. I had to air smell it out, too. Yeah, I saw. Okay. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about um, Tugboat. He comes in at number 30. 
And, uh, then Hulk Hogan dumps him out and Meltzer would put in the newsletter in parentheses, a feud in about nine months. Was that considered? Do you think at the time? Okay. We're not going with him for mania, but we can have him mention it here in the promo. We'll have him come out last. We'll have Hogan dump him. Maybe we can come back and do something at SummerSlam. You know, I think Vince always has in the back of his mind, something that he would like to do. If I may not be able to do it now, but I'll do it later. Let's see how it works. Uh, eventually the final three, you want to talk about a weird rumble. Normally we get down to a final four and everybody's like, Oh, what's it going to be? Well, the, (laughs) the final three here, Hogan earthquake, who, by the way, uh, they, they did big business with the prior SummerSlam and Brian knobs. How the fuck is Brian knobs? The third, the, what is this? Anybody could be it. Anybody could win it. Listen to you. It is the, the hurt, the earthquake stuff here feels like it goes a little long. Eventually they eliminate knobs as we, we mentioned, but Hulk is teasing. Hey, I'm going to body slam him. He goes for the body slam and he collapses. Uh, so quake squashes him a few times, but then he does a Superman comeback, a body slam and a clothesline over the top rope. It feels like the crowd was ready for it to end. Maybe it stretched a little too long. Meltzer gave it two and a quarter stars. <laughs> the crowd was definitely ready for it to end. I think that the crowd, man, after the, the warrior match, they were, they were done. Yeah, I agree. Well, what what did you think of the rumble? You watched it back uh, three weeks ago now, and have clearly forgotten <laughs> that there were even other referees there. But what do you think? Um, is this the payoff for for Hulk Quake here at the end? You know, we we don't get more follow ups after SummerSlam except for this. Is it, is that sort of putting a bow on that feud? Maybe. Basically, I guess it's a nod to it. Get people would remember it, but I didn't think it. I didn't think it was that good. I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that this was one of those rumbles where we sat back and went, oh my God, it's nice to see Taker out there and get to see me go out there with Mark and all that and do, you know, little things, but, um, which by the way, Taker should have been the original diesel spot when I watched that and looked back on it and he should have been the guy standing in that ring for about, you know, seven or eight people and just clear it. Until finally here comes Hogan or whoever the fuck, but it was okay. It just wasn't great. We had, we had one story to tell that night. You know, this is before it's sort of, uh, promoted as when the rumble get a title shot, but as it happens here, Hogan wins the rumble and gets a title shot at WrestleMania. When do you remember somebody saying, Hey, why don't we just make that part of the show? Uh, that was in October or November when I came back before, uh, WrestleMania nine. There you go. Is a way to get Yoko in there. And the original idea was, uh, I think I've told it before was Scott Steiner to bring Scott Steiner in as a single and holy shit, brand new guy. First time in the rumble, win it and go to WrestleMania. Uh, let's talk a little bit about something else that's reported in the observer. He did report that there were people in the office. Well, here we go. Just a few days before the match, reality got in the way. 
There was now a legitimate U.S. bloodshed in the Persian Gulf. Nearly everyone involved with pro wrestling, both in and out of the WWF, believed the current world situation would cause McMahon to pack this angle in. While exploiting not so vague racial and xenophobic stereotypes as well within wrestling's normal bounds of poor taste, exploiting a legitimate war seemed to cross over the invisible line. Many within the WWF front office feared a media backlash against such an obvious attempt to heavily exploit the war. A few heavy hitters in the front office were privately considering quitting the company because McMahon refused to change his WrestleMania plans. There were inner office arguments, even to the last minute, trying to convince McMahon to allow warrior to win, or at least change the slaughter character. Do you remember any of that? Was any sure. Yeah. I, I think that there were a lot of people that were very uncomfortable with it. That can you say some names was, here, like on one side or the other? Like where oh, was Pat? I, I, no, I have, I really don't remember specific okay. names at all. Um, I guess really the only name specifically that I do remember was John Filippelli, who was very against it. And, and, um, you know, didn't like it, but for the most part, you know, it was, it was discussed, uh, ad nauseum amongst a lot of people. Some people thought it's wrestling. It's going to be what it is. And, uh, you know, we'll do what we do. I want to mention here, Sergeant Slaughter, he's only 42 years old, but he's written about as, Hey, this is the end of my wrestling career. Did you see it that way? at just 42 years old. Cause of course, everybody's waiting for me to say this. AJ styles today is 43 years old. I did not. I thought Sarge was losing weight, getting in shape and thought he had had a few more runs in him, frankly, uh, real quick, we're going to wrap things up here, but I read a report here. The WBF wanted to send Hogan to Saudi Arabia to visit the troops, but was turned down by the USO. Instead, Hogan will spend the next few weeks visiting families of those overseas to strengthen his baby face image while vowing to bring the title back from Hussein's emissary. Do you remember that the USO attempt? Yeah. Cause they weren't sending anybody over at the time. Right. It wasn't like, no, we don't want Hulk Hogan. It was, we're not sending anyone over. So here's the thing. In, in spite of the fact that people hate this angle and they didn't like the finish and they thought warrior should have won and they didn't like the rumble and said it was one of the, it was the worst one so far. He also says it's the best WWF pay-per-view ever, ever. What say you, where do you land on this? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I won't use the scoring system. I thought it was a good show, but I don't think it was a great show. And again, when you look at the overall sentiment of the audience, if they liked it, then we did a good job. Uh, Me personally, I thought it could have been better. Well, we could have done a better job cranking out some content for you guys. These last few weeks, as you've probably picked up, it's been kind of busy for Mr. Pritchard, Uh, but we've still got big plans. We've got lots of fun stuff coming your way. Uh, Bruce, we're supposed to deliver Royal Rumble 1996, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, yeah. and, and tomorrow, or as you and I are recording this, we were supposed to deliver the main event from February 1st, 1991, which is a fun little show. Okay. So that's two, right? Yes. So we're okay. officially two behind. Can, okay. can we give the audience listening an update as to when we'll be able to record Saturday. and deliver those? Okay. We're going to record them Saturday some way. Good deal. And can we go ahead on Saturday and try to get in your house six for next week? 
Well, with the emails I've just been getting, I, I can get those two Saturday, but Sunday. Okay, good. So maybe we can do two Sunday or two Saturday and one or two Sunday, and maybe have some in the can we and get back can on do track. Three or four Sunday. Okay. So see, listen, when I send these tweets out, people think I'm bullshitting, but now well, they've don't, heard your don't, voice. don't send them out then. Well, what am I supposed to do? We're behind. Two, well, we're going to get two and we're going to catch up. So by doing the two on Saturday, we're caught up, right? Yes. Then we're going to get ahead. Okay. We're, we're not- going to do 14 on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Long ones too. We're going to do 14, like about, you know, like we used to back the six hour ones. We're going to do 14 of them on Sunday. Well, we're going to have to call some audibles because I just looked at the lineup and one of these stupid ass Stan wants us to do a show on outlaw Ron Bass. That shit ain't happening. Hey, stupid ass Stan. That ain't happening. (laughs) Who the fuck wants to hear that? Uh, I got nothing there. Sorry. Other than the having to do a brother love show with him five times in one night or something like that. Royal rumble, 1996 coming up before you know it, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate your patience. Uh, It means a lot to Bruce and myself, but, uh, the show's not going anywhere, baby. We're still here. We're still having fun. It's still something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard rock on. Hey, before I let you go, I want to leave you with one last thing. If you're on the fence about going to save with you're not sure if we can actually save you some money. I thought what better to do than to let you hear from an actual customer. This is a video message from satisfied client and friend of the family. Now, Mr. John Largent. Hey, Derek, this is John Largent in San Antonio. I just wanted to thank you and Jennifer and the team at first family for helping us with our mortgage. You guys were phenomenal. You were easy to reach out to and connect with and stay in constant contact with until the deal got done. I can't say enough good things about you guys. It's made a huge difference in our lives and I am going to recommend you to everybody that I know. And I'm a podcaster. I do podcasting for a, for a a living. And so if you guys ever need uh, any free advertisement, you're going to get it through the network of shows that we do here because you have been phenomenal and I can't say enough. I wish you guys a a happy new year. I feel like I know you, man. And uh, that's the way you guys made us feel as clients. So I really do appreciate it. And I wish you and uh, the team there at First Family all the best in 2021. Thanks a lot, man. Bye-bye. Hey, man. And happy new year to you. I'm glad we were able to help your family. But now I want to help your family. That's right. I'm talking to you. If you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much find out right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket and we're licensed in more than 40 States. What are you waiting for? Hurry to save with Conrad.com NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention if you haven't already made this month's house payment, you can skip your next two house payments. That's right. Your single biggest bill. You're just going to keep all that cash. Let's get the new year started, right? Let's make it happen at SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you fifteen to twenty? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.